0: God, come on! I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, little, I'm a little, excited. Uh, I, I, this series has been a blast for me. I don't know how much fun you've been having, but I have had a blast. I was, I was so funny. So midweek, la, uh, this past week, uh, they were. I was uh, at a, my daughter's volleyball game, and, and one of uh, one of our church uh, uh, people, are part of our church family, uh, he's like, he's like, you know how hard it is to explain to my parents that my pastor had a weed eater on the stage. Like yeah, that's hard to explain. So this morning I'm just gonna just we're just gonna keep going with the, just things that are hard to explain. I told him at least I don't have weed on the stage. Uh, it's a win, right? <laughs> Some of you're like, you, can you do that? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, Jesus. Uh, we have uh, lots of police officers in this building right now. Uh, so uh, we uh, man, it's it's been a fun fun series. So the, the whole point of this uh, series has been the join the story, and that's because we I want you guys to understand. That the story, that the, the Word of God is not, this is kind of, I, I've shared this over and over again, and I, I, I don't want to ever get, like, where you get redundant, and Josh, you said that before. I want this to, like, get into you and for you to understand this. This is not a list of facts. This is not a bunch of fairy tales. This is God's story. And the whole point of God's story is from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, all the way to the end, to Revelation is that you are part, supposed to be part of God's story. He wants you to join his story. And so the powerful thing that we, we have to understand is there's, there's so much uniqueness in your story, but it plays a part in God's story. And so I, I've, been, I've been trying to, to, to really dive into that. And so right now we're kind of like in a mini-series, though. So we talked about, for uh, I think we're in week six of this series. This, and I said at the beginning, this might be a, like, 52-week series. Right now, we're kind of in a mini-series of the 52-week series uh, of Join the Story. Uh, we're, we're looking at Matthew. Matthew is, uh, uh, has this theme throughout his, his account of Jesus, and that's what Matthew is. Matthew is a, uh, bi- uh, a biography, an account of Jesus, and it's from Matthew's perspective, so there's four Gospels, uh, they're, they're, very, they're, both, they're all unique, three of them are called the Synoptic Gospels, so I'm going to give you a little like, theological basis here, they're, and they're very similar, they, they kind of line up in how they're told and how they're given, and then, then there's John, and his is unique, so, um, and so we, we, we've been looking at Matthew, and Matthew has this, um, this theme that he uses, and it, he uses this phrase, the kingdom of heaven. And that's the story that Matthew's really wanting you to grab hold of. So he's telling a story, and he keeps emphasizing this, this phrase, the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven is found in Matthew, uh, it's from Matthew chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, f- 7, over and over and over again. It is the theme that he's trying to get across to us. And then you get to Matthew chapter 13, right? This is like the middle of the book of Matthew. And he begins this stories uh, that he's telling. You may have, if you grew up in church and you went to Sunday school, you may have heard them called parables. And parables are stories that Jesus is telling. So he gets into this list of parables that he's telling, and uh, he goes and, and dives into each one of them. And each one of them begins with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. So he's telling stories. So that you can grasp and understand, or, or so that we can hear these stories of, of heaven, what the kingdom of heaven is like. And, and the whole time that we read these, a lot of times from a Christian perspective, we think that the kingdom of heaven is somewhere that's going to come. It's, it's something that's in the future. That we're, we're in this earthly kingdom right now, and this is the old creation, and someday we're going to have the new creation. But that, that's not the way that Jesus explains it at all. He says the kingdom of heaven is here say say that t- t- right now out loud everybody together the kingdom of heaven is here and he's he's talking about this and th- I, th- I love the visual I'm, I'm a visual thinker so this is this is how i, I see things I, the bible project gets this beautiful uh illustration so instead of thinking of it as two separate creations and one's going to end and the other's going to start jesus is saying there's two the, the two kingdoms are going to cross over and that the new kingdom is going to take over the old kingdom and he says the kingdom, Jesus, over and over, the kingdom of heaven is here. And then he goes to the cross. He dies on the cross, is buried in the grave, is, then resurrects and tells his church, his disciples, hey, now I'm turning this over to you. You're partnering with me. Remember, the story from the very beginning is that you're supposed to be part of this. You're, this is, I need you to be my church. The church literally is the hands and feet of Jesus. It's not this building. Please don't ever think that this is the church, this building. That, that's why we make an emphasis on our, even our signings or our logo, logo or what, all that stuff, is that this isn't authentic church. This is where authentic church meets. So this is authentic church meets at 201. That's it. That's why we have a big at 201 out there. That's the AC logo, which happened to work out very well. We didn't mean for that to work. It just did. <laughs> it's at 201. So this is, this is where the church meets, and he's saying, I need you guys to be my hands and feet. And when you do that, you're joining his story. So last week, we looked at, the, two weeks ago, we looked at the first part of this, these parables where Jesus says that we, uh, he, he says, you need to be hearers. So it's the parable, you in the Bible it calls it, most titles it gives is the parable of the sower. And that's, that's okay, but the actual, the best title would be the parable of the soil. It has nothing to do with the sower, the sower is the same. The seeds the same. What need, the only thing that changes in the story is the soil. And so how you hear. And then last week we talked about how, what we're responsible for. We looked at the parable of the wheat and the tares. Now, I'm not going to recap those because you need to go listen to those on, on, our, uh, on our app. You can download those or listen to them there. But I want to go to the very next parable, the very next story. Uh, the NLT calls it an illustration. So let's jump in. In your notes there is Matthew chapter 13. Verse 31. And before I do this and get into this, this parable, I need you to help me do something. So there's a bunch of people watching online. Uh, Corey works really hard at making all this. Pastor Corey has been like back there, things are been filling. I've watched him running back and forth. So I need you to make sure we look back at the camera and we tell the jail campus that we're that they're part of our church family, and we're so thankful that they're here. And also for those that are joining us online. So everybody ready? You're, I mean, I need it aloud this time, okay? Hey, you guys over at the jail campus, online, everybody join us on the website. We're so glad you're part of our church family. Come on, church, welcome them in. <laughs> One of my favorite things that we do here. Uh, so uh, Matthew chapter 13, get your message notes out. Here we go. Here is another illustration that Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree. The birds come and make nests in its branches. The second one, uh, uh, Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like uh, uh, the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast In three three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Every part of the dough. Now, here we are. Those of you that are part of our church family, you've heard me say this. And I need your help in in making sure everybody gets this down pat. So when we study the Word of God, there's a couple things that are important. There's three things that are really, really important. Number one is what? Oh, man, you guys are learning. Number two is what? Okay, the third thing, really important here, that you get this one. I need you to say it as loud as you can. What's the third most important thing in studying the Bible? Context. <laughs> Look at you. You guys are so smart. So here we are. So context. So we read these, and these are two parables. And the, the uh, theologians call these parables twin parables, meaning they have very similar meanings told in different ways. So they're not identical Twins. They're parables, they're twins that have a similar story, a similar point that they're trying to get across. And, and when you look at the Gospels, they actually are used, uh, Matthew and Mark both have them back to back, Luke uh, separates them. But let's, let's look at these as, as twin parables, and they have a good point that they're trying to get across to us. So the, the first part of the parable is about a, a mustard seed. So r- real quick, has anybody ever seen a mustard seed? Okay, everybody that has, let's do this together. I'm going to help you crowd participate. You ready? If you've ever seen a a mustard seed, raise your hand. Okay, right now, I just tricked every one of you that didn't raise your hand. Because every one of you that is in this building has seen a mustard seed. Okay, because here's a jar full of them. Now, this is a jar full of them. And here is, I I need, and it is, like, it's super small. Catch that. Good catch. Good catch pretend like he caught it. Like, yeah, I got it. I mean, these, they, I mean, it is super, super tiny. I mean, when you get to the size of these, and I mean, they, they are here. Yeah, good catch, Kenny. Yeah. Uh huh. No, they, they are. I mean, they're tiny. And whoever vacuum cleans the auditorium this week, I love you. Uh, so, but the, the point is, here, here's a picture so that you guys can see blown up how big one is in the palm of your hand. There's actually two in my hand now. That's, that's how small they are tiny, tiny little seeds. And, and so I wanted you to get a visual of what it is. Now, the, the, Jesus says that the, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And it is like the, small, the smallest of all seeds. Now, real quick, I, if you, I have a skeptic in here. I, I love that you're here because right away, the, you're going to go, well, let's look up and see if this is actually the smallest of all seeds because <laughs> the Bible and science don't match. Okay. Okay if you look it up, this is not the, pot, the smallest of all seeds. That's not the point that the parable is trying to make. The parable is trying to make a point that something really, really small, and here's in their understanding of the context, so we got to go to the context of their historical understanding. the the, this was a roman uh, proverb this was a greek proverb this was a proverb used over and over this wasn't jesus new saying jesus didn't come up with this all like hey he was using a saying that they all understood he was he was using something that everybody had heard before the kingdom of heaven he just related it to a kingdom of heaven is like something small that's planted and then grows into something large now Here's so that you understand how large one gets. Here's a picture of a uh, mustard uh, plant, bush, that took off in California after a forest fire. So a forest fire uh, took out a huge part of this, and somehow a mustard seed, one, how many ever, got put in this field, and then it went crazy. And that is a person, that's the top of their head. That's an adult walking through a field Full of mustard. Now here's a picture of in Middle East uh, of actual. You know it's the Middle East. I mean, look at that guy. That's the Middle East all over it. That is a mustard bush. I, I have. I was going to use some pictures from my trip to, to in 2010, but again, I used an iPhone and the pictures. The, the quality's terrible. So. <laughs> so everybody's like, "Oh, I'm not listening to anything else he says. He just dogged an iPhone." This is uh, the. But I I was beside uh, a bush, not that one, but very similar to that. That is a a mustard bush, or or it looks very much like a tree. So when Jesus is given this, he's given this illustration, and the illustration is saying one tiny little seed, this big, turns into that. Wow! I mean, this is. He is, he's giving them a visual that they would all have understood, because they all had seen this. Uh, in fact, uh, it, when you look through Israel text, that there's actually laws of where you can plant mustard and where you can't pl- plant mustard. They had these rules of you could, if you had a garden this size, so si- size, you could plant them here. If you had one larger, you could plant them in this area. And so th- this was something they all understood. And so now, in context, you have a picture now of what it means to say that a mustard seed turns into a mustard bush. And then that it would provide the shade, a place for birds to find shelter. It turns into giving uh, protection. And so here it is that this mustard seed gives this protection. Now, that's the first parable of of these twin parables. The second one is about yeast. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman uses to bake with. And here, uh, this is where Jesus is kind of messing with them, because in his, as he says that the kingdom of heaven is like, the last thing they would have thought that he would say would be yeast. Because in every other setting, in every other uh, opportunity that you look in history, historical context, and, and when they used yeast as an illustration of something, it's always negative. In fact, Jesus even him, as he spoke, used this in, uh, in Matthew, uh, chapter 16, just a little bit later in, the, in Matthew, he uses this in the, we're talking about yeast. He says, be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. In other words, hey, be careful of these folks. They're, they're going to corrupt you. Paul takes on the same concept of yeast, and he says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 6-7. He says, your boasting about this is terrible don't you realize that this sin, so sin, is like a little yeast so it, that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Here's another one Paul writes about in Galatians. He says, this false teaching is like a, a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. So again, false teaching, sin, the, false, the, the Sadducees and Pharisees that he's criticizing, all are negative constructs to what they would hear. So when Jesus says to them, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, they would like, what? That don't make sense. And, and he, this, I didn't put this in your notes, but add this to your notes. You need to understand that the context determines whether it's positive or negative. See, in the context that Jesus uses it later, it's negative. But in the context that Jesus uses using here, it's positive. And the, it is not the circumstance that makes something positive or negative, it is the context from which you approach your circumstance that makes it positive or negative. So when you look at your life and you say it's going to be negative and you tell your story in a negative way, guess what it's going to be? Negative. But when you approach your circumstance as saying, you know what, It's it's not the circumstance, it's the context that I bring to this story that makes it different. So you have the ability to take the story, the circumstance, and give it over to God and say, God, take my story and place it in your context, not mine. i got to change my context. And when you change the context, it determines whether it's positive or negative. So then you get into this, this, this uh, parable, and one of the first things is so you got yeast. And oh, by the way, yeast is not what we think of yeast. We think it's this. Okay. Self-confession time. I started studying for this. And I was like, oh, cool. I love illustrations. I love having demonstrations and having fun and making sure that it connects because I'm a visual person. I'm like, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to order yeast. I'm going to buy some yeast. And then I, I found some experiments. And I, I, there's some really cool ones that you can put yeast and sugar in a, in a, uh, in a, in a bottle and then put a, a, a balloon on top of it. And over time, over about two hours, it'll... it'll it, Turn, expand, and blow up the balloon. Oh man! I was like, man, this is some preaching. This would be some good preaching. (laughs) But then I was like, well, what's the context of yeast? Then they didn't go to the store and buy a red packet, or they didn't have the. There's a blue packet of rapid rise yeast. They didn't have this. They didn't understand it as this. Yeast to them was what you may know. I'm. I am not a baker at all. Not even like there is no no part of me. That is like relatively close to baking, you'll see why in a minute. Like I, I struggled with even this. But this is not what they would have thought of. They would have thought of this. Now, some of you that have been trained in home style cooking, any of you that know what it uh, what it smells like, I get to smell this and it's right before lunch. Jesus help me. There's nothing like the smell of fresh baked bread. And this is starter dough. That's what they call this. And for them, when you would have understood from their perspective, they wouldn't have been going to the store and buying a packet of yeast. They didn't have ability to produce yeast. They had what they did, because they didn't even understand the science behind it, because did you know, this is, this is I learned all kinds of stuff. On the back here, it says uh, that this is a living organism. It's a microorganism that's living. And you activate it with water and sugar. And the sugar is like... Like they didn't know that this was a living or they just knew that if they had a little bit of dough that started, that they could put it in with other dough and then it would create more. So, so when you picture, don't picture this, picture this. So they, they says that they took the yeast and they uh, mixed it. The, the, the new living says they, that she put it in. Some other translations say that she uh, mixed it, that she, you, we would call it kneading. We, the, the right translation, the Greek though, is for mixed or put into, would be this word right here, which is a crypto. A crypto. You might recognize that because we get our English word encryption. Literally means to hide. Some translations do this well. It says that she hid the yeast in the flour. Now, this is, this is important because there's, there's something that Jesus is doing here with his story that, that he he's wants you to understand that the, the first thing, and every time you, uh, you, you have a story, especially when Jesus is telling a story, he's telling a story for a reason. And the first thing that you need to ask yourself is what is being confronted? So what is being confronted by this word hid? And here's what he's, what he's giving to them and in, in their context would have understood this that anything that's hid in the dough would eventually be revealed. Eventually, it's going to go all throughout the dough. Now, he didn't have to go into much detail into this. They understood this. In fact, he even says it'll permeate the entire dough. So everything that was hid will eventually come to be revealed. This This is, man, this is where I grew up. This scared me. Everything that I do, and you've heard it in the negative. You, uh, I, let me, let, I've done this to my kids, and this is what I tell my kids. I say, guys, listen, I want you to understand this. I'm not, I'm not the typical pastor, preacher, uh, but he, here's what I want you to understand. People want you to fail, and they can't wait to tell me. So when you do something wrong, they're going to tell me. And you know what happens? They do. I mean, people come up to me and with a big old smile on their face and can't wait to tell me how my kids screwed up. You know what? I mess with him too. I'm like, oh, are you serious? I'm so proud of him. <laughs> Some messes with him. I'm like, he messed up? Oh my goodness. Guess what? He's a teenager. Oh my goodness. Anyways, uh, so don't, if you bring that to me, I, I appreciate knowing because then I, later on I will, I will lovingly correct them. Um, that's a parenting message all by itself. Uh, th- this is where the, like, everything's going to be revealed. It's one of those like, oh man, all the evil, uh, and you're, it's going to come out. And <laughs> the problem is, it's also the positive. And I don't think Jesus meant this for a negative, because he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And t- Paul writes in 1 Timothy, he says that uh, in the same way, the good deeds of some people are obvious, and the good deeds done in secret will someday come to light. So there is going to be a time where your good deeds that were done in secret are going to come out and be revealed, and, and this is what he's trying to teach us. And I love the, the the instead of coming out of from a negative point of view of oh, this is in Hebrews. This is this is how I grew up in Hebrews chapter four, verse thirteen. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He is the one whom we are accountable. Now, I grew up, and I, I don't know that this was taught to me. I think this was just my little mind, because this is what I envisioned. I had envisioned that when I get to, to heaven, there's going to be a projector reel. Now, how many of you know what a projector reel is? This is what, in my little mind, I had the, the, that G, Jesus was going to be there, and I was going to walk up to the throne, and he was going to go over, and be like, okay, Josh McDonald." He's going to take that reel, and he's going to put it on the, 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 the projector reel, and he's going to wind it in. and Those of you that don't know what this is, there's a light that shines on the film, and it shines it on the wall. But in my mind, I had it shining on these white clouds. And every little thing that I had ever done wrong was going to be up there. And Jesus was going to look at me like this. So disappointed in you. I mean, seriously, again, And then that reel would finish. And then he'd walk over and he'd grab a second one because there's a sequel. Okay? (laughs) And then that one gets done and it turns out I'm a trilogy. Okay? And all the evil that I've ever done is revealed on the heavens' clouds and God was going to punish me for what I was doing because he was going to hold me accountable. This verse continues. So then... Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly, not with whimpering not with shame, not with disappointment and ready for to be struck by lightning, boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. See, what you do, and what is hidden, and no one else sees you doing it, it's going to come out in a great way. This is why what you do behind closed doors is so important. And I'm not talking about the bad things. I'm talking about the positive things. You need to be in the Word of God. You need to be reading the Word of God for yourself. To please do not make Sunday morning the only time that you dive into this amazing story. You need to be getting the Word of God. You need to be having your times of prayer and getting in front of God and saying, God, I need to come boldly into your place. I need your grace right now. I need it the most. And here's what I want you to give you this warning. What will happen when you are failing at your worst? The enemy will tell you, don't go there. You'll get condemned. And that's the moment you need to come because you need it the most. You need to get into the presence of God. You need to get in front of your church family. You need to be in your small group. You need to be doing the things that matter, the little things that matter so much because they are powerful and what is hidden will be revealed. That's good preaching. That's really good preaching. I need some Pentecostals up in here. Mm. There we go. Hey, so so the, the, this, this story that Jesus is telling is so quick. It's just a, this, especially this one verse on, this, on, on yeast is so quickly that many times we just pass over it and we think, okay, that makes sense. No, There's so much here in this little one verse. Let me show you something that jumps out. Because as Jesus told this story to the group of Hebrews that were around him, as soon as he said the yeast, they understood what he meant. And then as soon as he said that the woman used three measures of flour, they immediately go, I know what he's talking about. I know exactly what he's talking about because their Bible, our Old Testament, has two illustrations, two powerful illustrations of three measures of flour. Now, I'll, I need to un- help you understand, what is three measures of flour? Uh, g- guys, can you help me? I need here. Sh- I'm going to show you how much three measures is. Go ahead, toss it up here. One, two. Three. Okay. We're almost there. Keep them coming. Yep. Look about. Is that all of them? Yeah. And we didn't break any. That would have been really cool. Like I could have done a LeBron. Um, <laughs> Uh, this is three measures well depending on what some scholars say it's 40 pounds some say it's 60 so i went with in between 50 50 pounds of flour now if i'd have gone with 40 that's still a lot of flour and it's not like you're going to make a little by the way uh, this would be about 120 loaves of bread that's a little bit more than just uh what i need for my family or to make it through this week. I'm going to come back to that. But here it is. This is, this is what three measures of flour looks like. Now, when they heard that, that, that topic, three measures of flour, there's two stories in the Old Testament that immediately would have came to every single Jew's mind. The first one is where Jews get their foundation in Genesis chapter 18. In Genesis chapter 18, I got one verse in your notes, but here's the whole thing. It says, The Lord appeared again to Abram, Abraham, near the oak grove, belonging to Mamre. Now, let me give you some context of this verse. Because before this, in Genesis 12, God comes to Abram and says, Abram, I am going to make you the father of many nations. And so this is going to happen, and um, it's going to be great. And then, at this point, God, right in in Genesis 17, he comes to him and he says, Okay, if you're going to be the people of my covenant, every male needs to be circumcised. Abraham Abraham is 99 years old when he gets circumcised. Like, ow! (laughs) And not only does he get circumcised, but he circumcises every other person, hundreds, every male that's in his uh, in his group of people, the day before this happens. So here he is sitting at his tent. And show, uh, three people show up at his tent. And here's what it says. So just imagine, uh, you're probably not having your greatest day, okay? One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing to the ground. He says... My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of, these, uh, of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with, the, with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. Now, before we go to the next verse, you need to understand that uh, this is not just some random guy showing up to visit with Abram. Abraham. It is God and two angels. In our Christian theology, most of us, like most theological would say, this is an example of the Trinity. Now, I don't know whether it is or not. I do know that there is one he calls the Lord, and there's two that he, has, that he calls angels. So, let's just go with context. It is a, what, the, what we in, in the theological realm would call a theophany, meaning God shows up to a man. And here he is, God shows up to Abraham, and he says to him, hey, how you doing? And Abraham says, hey, let me make you some food. Let me wash your feet. Let me take care of you. Wise thing to do. If God shows up at your house, please take care of him. He says, okay, do it. So look what Abraham does. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, his wife, hurry, get three large measures of of your blessed flour and knead it in the dough and bake some bread. Three measures. Now, we know it's about 120 loaves. That's, you don't need 120 loaves to feed the three men. Imagine, though, if I went to my wife and <laughs> said, Hey, babe, three random guys just showed up. I'd like for you to make them 120 loaves of, bake- of bread from scratch. <laughs> but here's what happens. Jesus is connecting directly to the story of Abraham, where something was put together, where something small was used to mix in to create something amazing, the nation of Israel. The second one, I don't have a lot of time to get into, is found in 1 Samuel. When Samuel, the first prophet, the, judge, the time of the judges was changing over to the prophets and that about to go into the era of kings, Hannah goes to God and says, God, I need a child. I need a child. I can't have a child. Please let me have a child. And God says, the the priest says to her, you're going to have a child a year from now. And then the child is raised. Hannah comes back to give the child to the the temple so that he can serve at the temple. And what does she bring with him? It says a a sifa, a flower, which would literally be translated three measures. Immediately, Every Jew's going, I get it. He's connecting himself. Jesus is connecting the kingdom of God to when small things turn into something amazing. It's when God shows up in somebody's life, it is the beginning of something new, something that we could have never comprehended when he shows up and allows, we allow ourselves to be put. Now, here's the thing. When you take this much, I don't, I've never needed anything. or I've needed a lot of things. I've never needed K-N-A, I don't know how it's spelled, that, that's how far from it I am. In fact, this, let me give you an illustration of how, l- l- how low my level of, of baking knowledge is. I was, started these experiments with all this cool stuff and with yeast and stuff, and I went to go get flour and I grabbed what I thought was flour and it didn't work because it was sugar. Um, <laughs> same type of bag. <laughs> that's my level. So he, he, this is where he's saying, this is what you have to get, Jesus is teaching them in this moment, is that what, what am I being invited into? In this story, Jesus is saying, so you've been confronted by the fact that you, you need to, uh, everything that's been hidden will be revealed. And secondly, what are you being invited into? That small investments matter. Small investments matter. So when you think of something that's just, I, hey, all I have is just a little bit of dough, God's going, let me use just that little bit of yeast. To start something that's going to be ridiculously amazing. Now it's going to take some work. It's not going to happen overnight. It takes eight days for this to get fully. This is not what it's going to look like, and it's when it's done. It's going to be. It takes eight days. This I, I concocted this this morning, and I will not use it for anything uh, <laughs> other than to illustrate. But he, he says, I need you to understand when you you need to start looking for small investments in Luke chapter sixteen. Jesus, again, if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. Start wait, stop waiting for the big things to show up. Start working in the little things that are right in front of you. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you will be dishonest with greater responsibilities. If you are trustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? The kingdom of heaven. And if you are, if you are not faithful with other things, people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? See, this is where you've got to hide the right things in your life. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 11, he says, I have hidden your word in my heart, and I might not sin against thee. See, the small things matter. Isaiah chapter 55, Jesus is give, or the, God is given this illustration. He says the rain and the snow, they come down from the heavens, and they produce and they uh, feed the, the hungry. In the same way, my word... My word, when I send it out, it will always produce fruit. It will always accomplish all I want it to. So you got to start looking for the small things. Start looking for the small opportunities. Some of you are going, I don't have anything big to do. I don't have anything really to be all that worried about. I, I, start looking for the small opportunities. And the small opportunities are going to come in unique ways. So the second question, or third question, so you, you, what am I being confronted with? is that uh, everything that's hidden will be revealed. The third, second question is what I'm going to be invited into, that is that, I, that small investments matter. The third thing is that how do I live this out? You live to give. In both of these illustrations, the first one is the mustard seed. Mustard seed turn, goes from being a little seed, something really small, and turns into a bush that gives provision to the birds. The second thing is the, is the little bit of yeast that turns something from that's just a small amount batch of uh, of this little stuff and turns into 120 loaves. No woman bakes 120 loaves for herself. What is she baking for? Her village. She's baking for her village. So start living to give. Serve in the littlest ways. Serve in the littlest of ways. Here's here's what happens. Let me use, I got one up here. Here's what happens when we, a lot of times we, we come to church and we say, you know what? I'm here to get served. I need, I need, I need fed. Feed, feed me some really good stuff. And may the worship better be good. And, and the message, it needs to be good because you know, I've, I've had a tough week and I need fed. There's not much difference between saying, hey, I need to come to be served to saying, I'm here to serve. And this is the difference between saying, you know what, I see the little things. See, that's the littlest of things. And every testimony and every story we've gotten from you guys' story, it's the smallest of things that makes the biggest of deals. It's the smile that they got when they walked in the door. It's the hug that they received when they experienced this moment. It's, you know what, you can start looking for small ways to serve. Might be the smile that you can give somebody when you join the dream team. Growth track starts tonight, 6 o'clock, K5 room, right over there jump in. You know what the best way for you to serve in a little way? Is to serve little ones. If you show up and demonstrate your love for an hour and a half to some little guys, little girls that need, just need to be demonstrated God's love, it doesn't take a lot. It's just a small investment in your week to make a huge difference. Start looking for ways that are small to serve. I have a story I want to share with you. It's Story from, from English. English was on the worship, he led worship this morning. And I want you to pay attention to her story because her story is unique in that it shows us all three steps here. That there are small things that are hidden in her life that she didn't at as she was going through them, didn't understand what they were. There's some moments where there's some small investments that are made in her life that made a huge difference. And then it turns out that those things she begins to live out. Check out English's story.
1: Hello, my name is English Kaput, and I serve as the prayer team coordinator and on the worship team here at Authentic Church. Like many couples, my husband and I struggle with infertility and pregnancy loss. And although we were successful young adults and had access and the means to what the world said would help us achieve pregnancy, we were still unable to achieve our dream of raising a family on our own. When I felt like giving up, God surrounded me with a group of believing women. And it was these women that showed me how to pray and how to fast and how to be encouraged. And As I started to look towards God and not man to help me, God began to really work in my life. He began to work in my husband's life and he really began to work in my marriage and things began to change and eventually God blessed me with this family that I so much longed for through all of this process God began to show me what my purpose really was and he's given me a heart for women and he's given me a heart for women whose struggle was similar to my own or other struggles he showed me that Truly, I am to come up beside them and pray with them and help them to feel empowered and encouraged. So with my struggle, God showed me who he was, but he's also empowered me to live out my purpose.
0: Lord Jesus, Lord, I pray over this church right now that we understand, Lord, that you have in us, we've been living out this this life of walking with you. Lord, that we stand strong, That our circumstances may seem difficult, but we can lean on you that the smallest of things are going to make the greatest of impact. And Lord, as we walk in our journey, that we can understand that we can live to give. Lord, that this group of people, those that are hearing this message right now, would understand that we have the opportunity to make a great impact with the smallest of steps. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We close this message out. I, I, I just believe that God's got a, a room full of people. You need to just understand that their story is powerful, that their story has so much that they can, can use to, to make a difference in those around them. For some of you, you're sitting here and you're going, you know what, I, I, I want all that and it sounds really good, but I'm not even sure I have a relationship with Jesus. I love this. And Paul writes in Colossians, he says, Since you have been raised in new life with Christ, See, when when you join Jesus Christ in his story, he changes your story. He begins to write a new story in your life. And you set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not on the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life, is revealed to the whole world. You will share in all his glory. Today, I want to give you that opportunity to hide your life in Christ. That all your sins and all your failures and all your mess-ups that you think are holding you back will be hidden in him. And as a result, your life will shine forth. And you will produce beyond anything that you've ever thought. And it's a simple step of repentance. And repentance just means that you stop writing your own story and you turn your story over to Jesus Christ. And you you say, God, I need you. And so I want to pray this prayer right now. And I want everybody to put your heads down, your eyes closed. And I want this to be a moment for you. Now, this is going to be, for some of you, a moment where you say a prayer that begins a, a relationship with him. Or maybe you're going to renew that relationship with him. And this moment that you say this, is it's going to be a prayer that starts something. And God's going to continue to move in your life and continue to, to grow in you. But when you begin this relationship or renew this relationship with Jesus Christ right now by praying this prayer, you can say the same words I use or you can use your own. You can say them out loud or to yourself. But Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my story. I want my life to be hidden in yours thank you for going to the cross and dying for my sins, for being buried and resurrecting. Lord, today I give you my life and I make you the king of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.